Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Good Vibes of Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast, and I am your host, Jason B. Today is Variety Episode 51, and we are also going to be going on live. So if you have the app Spoon, please feel free to download it. And also, uh, I will give you details on how to how to contact me on Spoon or follow me on Spoon. But for the purpose at hand is recording into this podcast today, I'll be recording as well on Anchor. I'll be also displaying some sponsors, some commercials, and uh, feel free to take advantage of those services provided. And we all appreciate you for listening. So take a seat, grab some coffee, grab whatever you'd like, sit back, put on your headphones, or listen openly, share with a friend. We greatly appreciate it. And this is Good Vibes with Jason B. Ladies and gentlemen, your host... Mr. Jason B. My name is Sheena, and I am a life coach specializing in law of attraction. I want to thank you guys for having me today. I'm so excited to be here on this show, and I want to share with you what it is that I do. As a law of attraction life coach, it's my job to help you on your journey of life. What that means is, if you have a goal, I help you reach it. We don't dwell on things that happened in the past. What we do is work on what you want for your future. I have group coaching classes or one-on-one coaching sessions, whichever you prefer. I'm very flexible and I really wanna help you get through whatever it is you're going through, whether it's your love life, whether it's you starting a new job or business, or whether you just need to get out of the funk that you're in, I really wanna be there for you. So take my hand so I can walk with you on your journey of life because as Tony Robbins says, Life coaches see things that you don't see. So if you're interested in my services, check me out at divine, D-E-V-I-N-E hyphen L-O-V-E dot com. That's divine hyphen love dot com. And if you'd like to follow me on my podcast, it's called Divine Love, Ask, Believe and Receive. I would love to have you guys follow me over there as well. I can't wait to hear from you. All right, everybody. How are you all doing? Welcome to another edition of Good Vibes of Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast. We are recording live on Anchor and as well as Spoon. So if you are on the app Spoon and you're already following me, I greatly appreciate you. So we're going to be talking a few different things and we're going to go over one of the readings that I feel it's very impactful. Um, Every day I read out of this uh, series on stoicism has been very beneficial to me and Many of my followers, as well as some of my friends who have taken good value to how we are applying ourselves to the uh, daily walk, talk, and performance in our lives. We have definitely been affected by things in the media. We have been affected by events such as, you know, George Floyd's death. Um, We've been affected by so many different things, uh, as such as uh, COVID-19. The markets are shutting down. Uh, many different things are, so to speak, giving us a broader perspective on what, how can we live, what do we live with, 
who are suppliers and who are pulling the strings. Some people call it the puppet master. Some people may call it the, the Illuminati, um, whatever it may be. But the real truth of the matter is, is who we give our attention, intention, you know, for and for us as well. How do we enrich ourselves with a daily life that is purposeful and also understanding the many different purposes in which we serve in our growing world? We have a duty to take care of our world. We have a duty to take care of our presence and our friends as well as our families. We have a duty to take care of so much. But what happens when it gets all confused and jaded by so many different perspectives, ideas of who may be in control? So the first rule number one that I'm going to have to take from Jan, Chris, I think it's Chris, I forget, Chris, I, I found another um, Spoon person personality here on, um, yeah, Spoon. And his rule number one is, number one, take care of yourself before you take care of any anyone else. That's very, very true. Now, in the last two weeks, I've come across quite a few different personalities. I've come across and known different personalities to give their perspective on our daily lives. But are we getting disillusioned? Are we getting confused? Are we really paying attention to really what matters? Now, what what does actually matter? What does actually get to you? Um, the first and foremost, your shelter. Your shelter does affect you, how you live, where you live, and why you live there. Number two, and I'm going over the basics of life. Uh, number two is your eating, you know, what you eat, what you ingest, you know, number three, your mental fitness, um, so on and so forth, how you perform and why you perform in the ways that you do. Sorry, I'm getting computer notifications that I really don't want to hear about right now, but it's just a part of the game. I got so many damn emails coming in from different vendors, so excuse me for the interruption. Anyhow, so getting back to it. So our shelter, our mental fitness, our physical fitness. Now, that's another thing that so many people talk about and bank on. Now, all these things are things that we, that companies, services, uh, forces may be, they all cash in on some way, somehow. And even I just read an article about, um, from Elon Musk. I, I read a Twitter where he was basically saying, why is it that in most States across the nation that cannabis is legal, but yet most of the people that have been convicted for cannabis are still in jail. Now that's a very, very impactful statement coming from somebody who is well influential, who is in a multitude of industries from solar power to ro designing rockets, vehicles, you name it. He's probably into it. He's got several degrees. He's got an education that is just out of this world and achievements at such a young age that, you know, I don't want to say I wish to have, but let's just say I admire the guy for what he has. Now, like I said, the first rule number one is take care of yourself take care of your mental space and who you impact. Uh, Cannabis Conundrum, he says, they got grandfathered in, LOL. Okay, well, we're going to take that comment. And um, But before we really dive into, I'm going to read something real quickly here on my Daily Stoicism that may be an impactful thing. And I got this, this wonderful book called The Daily Stoic, uh, 366 Meditations on Wisdom, Perseverance, and the Art of Living by Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman. Now, these guys are really, really, really um, respect, but 
I thought that today, um, especially if I wanted to read it on the airways, now I'm not making any money. I'm not receiving any income from this. So, um, I know that there are some reading rights that you, I have to watch out for intellectual, but I don't give a shit right now. So anyhow, and what he basically says, when to stick and when not, when to quit. Think of those who, not by fault, inconsistently, but lack of effort, are too unstable to live as they wish, but only live as they have begun. And that's written by Seneca on Tranquility of Mind 2.6b. And Ryan and the co-author, they say, well, in in depth, Seth Godin draws an interesting analogy of that the three types of people you see in line for a supermarket, one gets in a short line, sticks to it no matter how slow or how much fast the others seem to be going. Another changes lines repeatedly based on whatever he thinks might save a few seconds. And the third switches only once when it's clear her line is delayed and there is a clear alternative that continues with her day. He urges us to ask, which type are you? Seneca is also advising us to be this third type. Just because you've begun on one path doesn't mean that you're committed to it forever especially if the path turns out to be flawed or impeded. At the same time, this is not an excuse to be flighty or incessantly noncommittal. It takes courage to decide to do things different and to make change, as well as discipline and awareness to know that the notion of, oh, but this looks even better. It's an attempt that cannot be endlessly indulged either. Now, I really found value in that because before COVID-19, before what has happened with George Floyd, we, we have dealt with constant controversy and it's, it's not something we're new to. This is, these are subjects that have constantly bombarded, but what happens when people or organizations get in the way of themselves? Now we we have to deal with this, especially in 2020 here in the United States, because it is an election year. Now, one of the things that I always encourage people to use is use the skills of your observation. Don't just be subjective, but be objective. Question things within a reasonable manner. I encourage everyone out there to do exactly that. If you are not aware then that's fine. You can always learn. You can always ask the question. And you can also pursue knowledge and wisdom for the purpose in which you see fit to enrich yourself in pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. Many people talk about different controversies. There have been controversies talking about 5G. There have been controversies of talking about um, a purposed designer disease or pathogens such as COVID-19 or the coronavirus as they talk to definitely affect the population of the world. We cannot ignore this. There's plenty of things to talk about. There's plenty of injustices, but what do we really feel about justices? How do we perform justice? Now, the sight of justice is a woman blindfolded holding a scale, um, and it always shows it slightly uneven. And that's a that's a very critical piece of observation that I've always noticed. I work in the law. I constantly perform in the law. Now, when they show that that image, if you look at Lady Justice, 
you'll always know that the scale is always rise to one and lower to another. And that's a symbol. That's a symbol of showing that there was always inequality, no matter how you fit it. But because she's blindfolded and she can't see it, most people would not notice this, that it favors the just and unjust at all times. How do we really address what's going on in the current events? Now, I was watching something that was posted by a, a public figure, and it really kind of got to me, so to speak, a little bit. And her name was, I believe it was like Candace. She, I forget her last name. And she was talking about how you know, how she does not support George Floyd, that he's been a ritual criminal, that he has been someone who has participated and, you know, without choice, always chose the wrong path, whether he's been in jail five to six times, he's been convicted of home invasion, uh, robbery, he's been convicted of uh, cocaine uh, possession, and so on and so forth. But does that take away for when three to four officers are subduing him? Regardless, now these off these four officers are being detained. They are in jail awaiting trial, just like any of you. But what has that subject matter done? It has inflamed people. It has put people in a civil unrest. And it really doesn't matter in culture. A lot of people from far and abroad are affected, not just by what happened with George Floyd, but they knew that they're not happy with in which the system is operating. So we're going to go a little bit in more and in further into that. So the first thing is, like I said, rule number one, you know, refer to taking care of yourself before others. Some people may be, hey, awesome sauce. Nice to have you in. Um, some people may be, con you know, compelled to feel like I need to perform for others. I need to give to others. I need to help make things better for others because of what I've gone through. And that is a truly noble thing to do. It really is. I cannot argue about how that really exists in us all. But at the same time, it's very selfish. It's very selfish because when you're not really truly taking care of yourself and your mental fitness, your physical fitness, your health, it is something that you have to pay attention to. Now, let me read a few of these comments real quick. Awesome Sauce and Cannabis Conundrum, they are also known on Anchor as Foxy Lady and Desert Fox. So if you've checked them out on Anchor and you've listened to their podcasts, they are a great resource, not just for cannabis, but they're also a great resource for a little bit of conspiracy theory and so on and so forth. So you got to take that a, a great consideration of what they do. And I appreciate them for what they do and why they do it. Now I've gotten into it with them at times, but at, at times I've been just a clown. So getting back into it and into the matter at hand is understanding how we take care of ourselves, our perception. Now, the first thing of my, my level of discussion of perception is, is what are your influences on a daily? What are your daily programmings? And what I mean by that is when you start your day, when you get up, 
do you grab a cup of coffee is the first thing that you do or tea or water. And uh, what do you put your eyes to? Do you put your eyes to your children? Do you put your eyes to a television? Do you put your eyes to a phone, a podcast, a social media input? Where do you put your intention and attention to? It's so very important because this is going to dictate the momentum of your day. This is going to dictate about how you allow things to affect you daily. Now, all through um, the last two weeks, especially with George Floyd dying unnecessarily, um, when the riots were going on last weekend and I was encouraging people on Spoon, I was like, be mindful, be calm, be in control. There have been many instances where We've seen it right in front of our face where the forces may be are encouraging other people to destroy for their own enrichment and their betterment. And it's going on and on. Now, how does that connect to something like COVID-19? It connects in so many ways because before George Floyd's death, many of us have been stuck at home. Many of us agreed and believed that this virus that has been peddled onto people and has affected some regions of the United States and certain populations more than others, we have noticed that the government said, I'm going to take control and I'm going to address you in a matter that you need to stay home. But the problem was that they didn't readily have a mass testing system. Now they're in a rush to develop a vaccine. CK1 Thank you for joining. Appreciate you. Anyhow, so the problems were just going and going and going, and no one seemed to have any kind of understanding. You heard breaking news constantly every single day. You put people in a panic, and the government here in the United States, the Senate and the and Congress agreed that there needed to be some kind of stimulus to take care of people while we try to figure this out. But others got to be enriched. Now, according to the orders that were dictated by each and every state. And I can't speak for every state. Certain companies were allowed to operate. Companies like Amazon, Walmart, Target, Safeway, and most grocery stores, most chain grocery stores. They were believed that they would provide a vital service for needs to survive, such as food and medicine. Now, with along that, that came with, there was, I call it toilet paper gate, paper gate. Mass amount of people's wiped out the supply of toilet paper. Why? It was to show something that the influence of not just a government, but private entities, whatever you may want to call it, had an influence. Now, some people may say this is a conspiracy theory, but it's something to really notice what actually goes on. And a slight little panic can push like an avalanche and create great havoc long-term. Now, it wasn't until recently that I started to notice that toilet paper supply was actually back in the stores. According to my observation here in Stockton, California, when I went to Costco, when I, when I went to other stores. But the other thing I, I noticed also at the same time, it was peddled that you need to have a mask on your face at all times when you're out and about in your car, in a store, wherever you may go, right? Okay. Now here's the other problem with that. The only registered mask, according to the CDC, that is capable of stopping any transmission of an airborne pathogen or disease, such as the coronavirus, is the N95 mask. Now this mask is disposable. It is supposed to be used one time and thrown out. But here's the problem. They had a lack of supply. 
So the powers that be in the U.S. government started to pa- to push, you can make your own mask. Now, it's not a protection for uh, society, but protecting you from getting this virus. Now, anyone who knows anything about cloth, you need to wash it every day. So it's just, it's, it's a perpetual theory that this will help you and protect you. And there also was peddled that you need to get hand sanitizer. Now, for months, you were not able to get hand sanitizer from any supply. It was wiped out and preferred to have for hospitals and medical staff. Many reports across the nation, nurses were reporting saying that these ventilators were killing people. They were not properly applied. They The medical practices and dictation of how deaths were, were being labeled were all considered coronavirus. We we heard this. If you've ever heard anything on social media, I'm sure you've come across this. This is not something that's by accident, you know? So these are theories that may or may not be true. Now, just remember, it's also a part of the conspiracy forum. These conspiracy forums are to inform us and to get us to ask questions. So that's medically a contradiction. It really is because, okay, number one, if you've ever taken biology, whether it be high school or college, you will understand that biology is a study of life, human life, genetic life, uh, organic life, um, you name it, anything that lives on this planet, it is a study of that. Now, the way that things interconnect, whether from the smallest size of an atom to a molecule to a genus design, all the way to how a finger or your eyes perform, it's all innate. It's all making things happen in some way or form. Sometimes we just don't understand. And we've given many theories to that. But with that, there are certain things in the performance of our environment and within our own bodies that perform as defense mechanisms so that we survive the outside world. Because statistically, everything that's in the air right now is supposed to kill us immediately. And they make movies about this constantly. I mean, War of the Worlds, that was like what? That was written like in the 1930s. And Orson Welles narrated a version of it and spoke about it and still remains to be controversial to this day. They even made a movie with Tom Cruise in it talking about the aliens tried to uh, invade the world, killed a mass amount of population, and tried to use the human race as an energy resource to produce an environment that they could grow and conquer and thrive. But what it was really showing to me was, is that it's it's an alien form that is not native to this, this environment. So it couldn't survive. So in the end of the movie, the aliens all died because they couldn't handle oxygen. They couldn't put uh, enough of their spores to convert the air to be something healthy that they could survive. Now, how does that really apply to now? What are the things in the air? Now, I've heard like things like chemtrails. Chemtrails are, are not just uh, uh, carefully designed, but it's actually a chemical chemical put in the atmosphere allegedly i cannot confirm or deny this it is to put people in a mood to affect their immune system but let's go further into that just a little bit more than chemtrails so people are trying to in the government talk about health care for all they've been arguing over this for the last 50 years plus but isn't health care shouldn't it be a human thing and not a political thing Yes, 
It should, in my strong opinion. But what else affects that? The money. Who gets to benefit? And this is where people really argue and are pissed off, especially with COVID-19. They don't have an answer. They don't have a test that is verifiably effective. They have to test somebody that is maybe possibly infected two to three times just to make sure that what they are medically suffering from is the coronavirus. Now, the coronavirus instinctively, you know, pushes an infection such as pneumonia or bronchitis. It's a swelling and inflammation of your lungs. It is an edema and swells up in your bloodstream. And and what eventually kills you is you're choking to death on your own fluids. That's what a typical COVID-19 patient goes through. And this is why they have ventilators because they believe a ventilator will save you. And if the body does its work, because they don't have an antibody, They don't have a antibiotic design to fight the virus. What they count on is giving you fluids, giving you energy, giving you foods, whatever nourishment in any way they can push it through your bloodstream so that your natural body, your natural antibodies will fight off a virus that cannot live. Now, allegedly, there is another claim that COVID-19 stays dormant, but they've never answered the question for how long. This is the big controversy. And this is a big conspiracy. Now, there are many sources saying that COVID-19 was a a designer disease and got out of control Um, that I've heard from anonymous um, and many other resources to showing that it was designed by the United States, given to China for a benefactual and uh, fiscal um, basically gain. And they were going to instinctively release it in a small way to look like they weren't blamed, they weren't being responsible, and then it passes through the world, through your breath, through you name it, it's gone in many, many different places. But the thing is, is like who can verify whether it's an airborne pathogen? They have not provided enough studies. They would tell you, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, wear a mask, cover yourself, and watch who you are around. It has created a great division. There are families that do not see each other, do not touch each other, do not love each other. They are pro- they are promoting a social distancing is a medical treatment for society. But here's the problem. Mankind needs sociability. They need it to thrive off of. They need to be able to hug each other. They need to be able to talk to each other. They need to be able to see each other. Empathically understand one another. We cannot deny this. If you've ever wanted to, let's just talk as an adult, if you've ever wanted or felt the need to, let's say, have sex, have joy, you know that that's going to come with a cost of human interaction. So what are they doing and what are they, how are they planning it in your heads? Now, I see it as a strategic move to, let's just say, corner the sheep or corner the herd and direct them for the results that we wish. And there are many people that are suffering. And these are created monopolies for some companies and some people, and they're becoming twice as rich, but at what cost? They print money with not having it verified or to be backed up. There are many countries that are doing a lot better job with less resources than we have here in the United States. This is not a lie. Go to most any third world countries and they have readily available tests for the COVID-19. Now, I don't know how verifiable they are, but it creates 
a lot of questions. These are questions you should be asking. And it also goes towards the reading. What kind of shopper are you? Are you are you one to shift your constant opinion at, at all times just for the immediate satisfaction, or do you wish to do it in an adequate way when it is right? And this is how they get you off balance. They get you emotionally charged up. So when George Floyd died and people saw it live, they saw it on the news. People were streaming it live. This man was being choked to death. He was being choked to death with with a knee on his throat, which is by law enforcement standards, not permittable. This is a restraint that is not you know, encouraged. No police department out there has it written that a knee to the throat is allowable. They've all said it. They all, you know, admonish themselves from it and they have to. And so what do the police face? One second. I mean, give me, I had to drink a glass, a little bit of water. Now, what we understand if about the police law enforcement, if we're there to enjoy their protection and their service. We'll call upon them when we are in peril or in danger. We have to understand the parameters and the frequency in which they operate. They are there to be judgmental. They are there to, to observe and perform a restriction in some way or form. But what happens when an organization, a bank, a foreign entity uses that force for their own benefit? And we deal with the issue of racism, a division of culture, because it's not just about the color of your skin. It's a, it's all about your financial position in the grand scheme of things. They know that certain cultures perform for certain things for certain purposes more than others. Now, I've heard talks about Antifa. I've heard talks about, you know, Black Lives Matter. And there's been the counter that all lives matter. Well. Who suffers the most, first of all? That's what that's what they want you to think about. They want the society to allow you to think that one suffers more greatly than others, but it's all circumstantial. Now, we have heard Donald Trump, and I do not like to refer to him very much because, in my opinion, I feel that he is emotionally unstable, and I feel like he's a narcissist to enrich himself. But I do not wish to slander him in a way that gives him more power. The more attention you give to that man, the more times you pay attention to his tweets, the more attention you watch the news or get angry, it fuels his source of energy. We all operate on an energy level. If we're at a lower energy vibration, what a lot of people may understand, you'll understand that one clear perspective is that you do not live to your optimal performance. You don't. If you're emotionally distressed, you have anxiety. If you have depression, more people have depression for one specific reason. And it's not because of politics. It's about choices, where you give your attention to and what you're physically not performing in. Many people, it has been peddled for at least five years to my conscious self. The number one question is, what is your purpose? I've got an answer for that. You don't have one purpose. You have multiple purposes. Now, there are, there are influential persons across the board that will tell you that be grateful. Gratu gratuitous feelings fuel to success. 
But not everyone's meant to be a billionaire. Not everyone's meant to be a trillionaire. Not everyone's meant to be, you know, well off or middle class. And that's what the powers that be work with. They work with a system that you do not understand. They work with your illusions and they work with your emotions. So the first responsibility of taking care of yourself, your emotional output and your emotional input is so very critical. How do we understand that critical piece of information? So I'm going to take a brief little break uh, on my anchor to uh, record the next segment, but we're going to go on just for a second and I'll be right back. And for my spoon listeners, you're going to continue to hear me talk. And we're back again. It says, what does desert Fox say? Desert hit the toe package on a scion. LOL. Oh, really? (laughs) anyway so let's get back into the subject matter at hand so here we're talking about the the relations of of our attention and what's going on with our world and how can we take it back so now i'm going to get into a little bit about uh, specifically about politics exactly so many people believe that their vote matters and there are many people that believe their vote doesn't matter. So how do you really change the system? The value system is so broad because our country is so big here in the United States. You have cultural divide and that's by design because if people really understood each other, they would not be fighting each other so badly. And that's the truth. So the first act of my rebellion about my revolution against the establishment, I respectfully resign my position as a Democrat. I wrote to the Democratic Party. I respectfully remove myself from your party. I do not support any of your values in the mass or in the minor. And I choose to operate as an independent with no party affiliation. Though I do appreciate your resource and your theories, I have to object to a theory of operating by a two-party voting system or political party system. Now, we have constantly seen it right in front of our faces. These two political parties, Republicans and Democrats, have gone against each other, but they need each other as a symbiotic relationship. One has to show that you go and work and earn everything that you deserve. That's one perspective. The other is that the top 1% should have to give you more than just morsels or crumbs. Now, it's interesting that what I see in the masses is, is perpetual lies on both parts. It has to be lies. And if you don't realize that by now, just take a careful look about your surroundings. What is, here's a success. Here's the definition of a real success of the nation. What's the population of the homeless communities? What is, what is real homelessness? And why cannot people afford an average home or an apartment? There are some, some people will say, well, they got into drugs. So let's go into that little subject just for just a little bit. Everyone has been raised with some kind of adult supervision. Now, with that supervision, there are traumas. These traumas dictate how you view things. Um, In Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, he talks about these traumas, these nightmares, these things that we've all gone through. 
anywhere from child abuse, child neglect, uh, verbal, mental, physical abuse on children, even to molestation affecting someone. Sexual abuse is rampant on children. And what this does is creates a population of imbalance. Now, recently, there are many doctors and many philosophers that are discussing the aspect that they, the survival of a healthy child is really dependent on a healthy perspective from two parents, parents that teach them love, teach them empathy and understanding of, of being conservative. That means not spending everything you got every time you got something. But we live in a culture that perpetuates not to conserve. You see it every day when you turn on your television. If it's not an ad for a big TV, it may be an ad for a new car that you need or a brand that will enhance your appearance. But where do those brands come from? Now, it used to be that a brand spoke durability and dependability. But that has drastically changed in the last 100 years. This is a fact. These brands are influenced by political actions in which they can produce a good or not produce a good. So we've seen in the last 35 to 40 years, the word outsourcing. Outsourcing basically means that you take a commodity and ship it overseas and make it there for pennies on the dollar. What this does is creates an offset of trade and dependability and reliability onto the product itself. Take example for Levi's. Levi Strauss was developed in the 1800s. It was, it was a product that was designed for the farm worker, for the guy that gets rugged and rigid. Um, let's, hold on one second. They're saying a comment. LOL, charged and looking for my leak. Nice cold air. Yeah, okay. So they're talking about that. So I had to address my spoon um, audience and people are listening. Anyway, getting back to the subject. So these brands like Levi's were rugged, dependable, and durable to last against the elements, whether keeping you from being cold or being cut up when you're dealing with dirt and grime, working on the ranch. Now, over time, that durability value switched to be a fashion value. We notice things like stonewash, people cutting up jeans, and so on and so forth. The quality of the jeans have gone down, but there are so many different versions of the blue jeans. Now, from that initial invention that Levi Strauss took a part of, there have been many different offshoot brands. Um, according to the, was it the PTO, the brand? The you know, patents for blue jeans is open. It is called a genericized product that anyone can make. Now, some will claim that theirs is better and performs better, looks better, uh, hugs your body better, and so on and so forth. This is the gene you need to have. Now, this is an example of polarizing your opinion, polarizing your observation, polarizing your value and where you spend your dollar. And with that, uh, it's it's important. Gina Bina, how you doing? Welcome to Good Vibes of Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast, as well as here on Spoon. Thank you for joining. So here we're talking about perspectives on what's going on in current events, just to give you a little form. And if you want to bounce out, it's perfectly understandable. Anyhow, going forward. So we, we have an understanding of brands, right? And that brand has a value. That value dictates revenue. And that revenue cannot be negotiated. And this is something that has 
deeply affected us all. So it's kind of like understanding like when you go and find a price for a good, you buy something. When you go to the store, you cannot barter. You cannot negotiate the price. The register will tell you it is $99.99 or $89.99 for whatever it is. We're, we're talking about jeans just as the example. So with that being said, the barter system, which has been age-old commerce conducted all over the world, and most of the rest of the world still conducts itself. And only parts of our country still operate in a bartering system, negotiation of price and value. But here's the catch. Now, department stores first started out as catalog ordering, such as Sears, JCPenney's, even Macy's was, was a catalog system. It was the back then the version of Amazon. So instead of going, <laughs> clicking, you basically filled out an order sheet and you said you will pay this price for this product. Now, what it told the companies and the brands were, it's, it basically said that we can guarantee a profit margin based on a solid price that is non-negotiable. This created a catalyst in the 1900s that priced started to price people out of their natural living and their resources. So when the country was being still developed in the 1800s and 1700s, where you could homestead, you can develop your own land where they were, uh, where they call it gridding out properties, people were readily to trade what they had. And even cultures, even from the native American culture to the black culture, um, Hispanic culture, Asian culture, they've all owned a property or a resource at one time. But slowly but surely, these brands, in collaboration with the ordering systems such as Sears, uh, JCPenney's, Montgomery Wards, um, so on and so forth, they took advantage of that because they knew they could depend on, okay, I'll tell the brand I'm willing to pay them a wholesale price for this and this and that. Now, you're going to say, well, Jason, how does this affect politics? Okay, so I'm going to get to that in just a second here. Okay, so we all know that politics is run by money. In order to be elected, you need money, you need donations. Okay, who gives to those donations? The ones that gain to look to gain an advantage in the phys fiscal sense, which is the money. What they do is exactly is they say, and for you not to shut down my factory because I pollute. I'm willing to contribute $100,000 at a dinner, private dinner. And what that politician says or that person running for office is, all right, I'll take that money and I will give you my word to perform the task to not go after you. So it has consequences. Now, if anyone understood about how blue jeans are made and dyed, it's a heavy pollutant. And that's why blue jeans are not made in the United States as much because the polluting factor is, it, it creates a lot of havoc on the water system. They, they can't even filter it that well. They actually have to take it to a chemical uh, dump site, which in turn kind of, no matter where it's put, it's going to affect some kind of stream, airway, and so on and so forth. So it has like long-term effects. So these brands, they negotiate with these people to be elected and there's like an ineffective bartering system of votes and favors to be asked. So these politicians, what they do is, is they say, okay, they work with lobbyists. So the lobbyists represent brands, companies, banks, institutions of lending. And what they say is like, work with us 
and will keep you there. So initially, someone who's going after office, they may have an intention to want to better things, but they get to negotiate the value system. And that philosophy is, well, is it really worth this one argument over the masses of things that you represent? And so they kind of like give up their power, you know, and they stay in their artificial castles and they make money at it. So their pockets are being inflated unofficially. Their campaigns are supported, you know, officially and unofficially. And there begins the arguments. So these people that are put in office, they dictate how business is going to be conducted, how health is going to be conducted. Whether you go to a doctor, whether you see an emergency room, it's all a level of business. Now, the United States was developed on the aspect that we can go and do whatever the fuck we want, right? Wrong. You can't do what you want. People misunderstand the Constitution constantly. It is my right to protest. It is my right to do this. It is my right to do that. But have you ever really read the Constitution? Have you interpreted it with a careful sense of objectivity? Many of us have not. Now, I've gone to law school. I've gone to paralegal school at one time. I've got my education. I sought this out because I didn't like people just telling me how it is, right? That's a big deal. How it's actually going to perform for you. How do you have a right? So when we go back to the issue of George Floyd, did he have a right to live? Absolutely. Did he have a liberty to object to the police restraints? No, he did not. According to the civil laws and the municipal laws of that state, he did not have the right to not be detained because his behavior and his action conducted himself in which a way we was interpreted to being as criminalistic. He was being observed as being high on drugs and walking around and passed a $20 bill that was counterfeit. That is a violation of federal law. Once you pass even a $5 bill, it is a counterfeit against the state and the federal government. So the city of Minneapolis decided to issue out, uh, once they got a call that a guy was passing a $20 bill, to issue an immediate investigation and addressing an issue that someone was trying to illegal pass a bill. So they approached his vehicle, pulled him, asked him to get out, He did not get out voluntarily. He did eventually open up his door and they did grab him. They did restrain him. They did put him in handcuffs. So we know that for a fact. You can go on YouTube and look it up. So from that action, he was crossed across the street in front of the store, or I don't know if it was a check cashing, but it was some kind of financial institution. The witnesses at hand that were filming his detainment then came across three other or two other officers because two officers initially restrained him. From that restraint, they passed around the vehicle, the outer side of the vehicle onto the street where vehicles may pass by and could hit them. So they already put him in a, in a jeopardy. They didn't put him on a sidewalk where he could safely be detained, which was also a violation of his rights as being detained by a law enforcement officer. So he was put on the ground on the street with a possible danger. He could have, they could have been run over. Why did they put them on that side of the street? Now the videos that have been performed and conducted and passed on gave a lot of observational things that 
or gave a lot of views. Um, and some people have pointed out, well, um, once George Floyd was picked up off the ground and put on a stretcher, he wasn't put on the stretcher by EMS services. Was he breathing at the time? Was he being treated as a normal human being or cared for medically and properly? There are people that speculate and saying absolutely not. And there begins also another speculation of, of conspiracy, the conspiracy that he was killed while in custody after the view of the officers. But let's go back to the scene. So in the scene, he is pulled down and three officers, I believe, were on top of him and one was overseeing him. Now, one particular officer, and I will not say his name because he is innocent until proven guilty, even though I know what I saw, this guy, <laughs> I feel he killed him, but hey, whatever. So once he did that, he put his knee on his throat to restrain George Floyd from committing any other action, any movement. And why? Because it was viewed in their perspective that he was being combative and danger to himself. Now, any law enforcement um, training would tell you you're supposed to detain and properly restrain from the individual from harming society or others or himself. So if three people are on top of him, what does that say? Do your own conductive research and, and use your own subjective you know, observational skills. What you would more than likely feel it is an abuse of power. Now, George Floyd is six feet plus a big man. So do they feel the officers detaining him were not strong enough to detain him upright? Were they, were they not able to put him in a vehicle such as a police vehicle to properly restrain him and confine him to an environment where he will not harm himself or others or the officers detaining him. They did not do that. That's why they're, they're under, they're incarcerated right now awaiting trial. That's the problem. And the black community has every right to question why was he, it could be construed as racially motivated. It's wrong to anyone. There have been so many people that talk about this all the time. Like he, how black people are unnecessarily targeted. They're targeted for because they're allegedly assume that they will conduct themselves in crime. Why? What do black people do that gives them this perspective? Someone trained them this way. White people think, white, many white people think about this. We Months earlier, there was another person unnecessarily shot, not by police officers, but by civil citizens trying to perform a citizen's arrest. According to suspicion, he was shot and killed in a view of a phone and publicized in the news. Now, the guy recording the video is also being accused of attempted murder and manslaughter in the, I don't know if it's in the second degree or third degree, but I'd have to look in further for investigation. Now, who writes the rules for how a police officer performs in public. Well, these are performed by lawmakers, people that would be considered as intellectuals who would hopefully or allegedly be fair. What is fair? 
It doesn't matter whether it's your color or it doesn't matter where you come from. Everyone has rights. And this is why we have the Miranda rights. Now, the Miranda rights reads as, you have the right to remain silent. You can and will be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right? That's your right to say, hey, Jake, how you doing? <laughs> From State Farm. <laughs> Um, so that is your right to not answer any questions that can be used against you in court. That is like a good neighbor. State farm is there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Anyway, it was from my spoon. Anyhow, so that is your liberty and right against the state to say, I, uh, I do not have to conduct myself to convict myself by my words or my actions. I can object at all times. I am innocent, as they allege, till be proven guilty in a court of law. You have a right to representation. <laughs> Cannabis Conundrum says, what are you wearing, Jake? Anyway, let's get back to the point. And he's, oh, and he also says khakis in a red shirt. Thanks, Jake. Anyway, getting back to the discussion. So, these lawmakers, these intellectuals, thank you, though I appreciate the love. These intellectuals basically state that the procedure in which an officer conducts himself in the business of representing the city of Minneapolis, or any city for that matter, and the state and the federal government will be according to this standard. What is the standard? When somebody is being detained, what is the standard they are legally obligated? Ob obligated to, to operate by. This is the big argument. Now, I, I, matter of fact, a good friend of mine, uh, sent me an ad. He sent me, uh, uh, what do you call it? I don't want to say a meme, but it was a picture of a protester that I found kind of, let's just say false. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with this picture and I'll read it in just a second as soon as it comes up on my screen. It says barber school length is 1500 hours. Police academy length is 840 hours. Let's let that sink in. Now this picture is promoted by an Asian lady and I saw it, you know, you know, clear as day. Was what she was saying wrong? My question is is the standard the same across all the board across all 50 states and all municipalities in the cities? No, it's not. Every region and every magistrate decides in which the standards of education to becoming a police officer is different. But here in California, I, what I can comment on and what I can say is, is you're required of two years of college education in the general studies. You're required to have that. That means writing, reading, philosophy, mathematics, and so on. And you can look those up and those standards in your local junior colleges and you can find them. From that two-year education, you would be allowed to apply to the municipality's police department academy to becoming a police officer. Now, each, each magistrate has a certain level of supporting hours, such as like the two years, like I was telling you about. They have a certain amount of hours to be conducted in the study of law enforcement, specifically criminal justice specifically saying and talking about it. So how a police officer will be trained to observe, report, detain, and adjust and protect. 
That's why they have on their on, on the side of most police vehicles and state troopers and law enforcement. They say here to protect and serve. But those words are very convoluted in my opinion. They're very subjective and they can change at any time, permitting the one who institutes the level of justice and detainment. So, so let's get back to the politics in the matter. Now in the politics, they talk about, you know, what is legal? Does it apply for the same of all 50 states? Not necessarily. So it takes on a whole different meaning and why people in the past, according to their skin color, were always proven to be guilty. There's plenty of instances where detainment and um, conviction was falsely because of fear. Why were they afraid of? Now, I watched a documentary on Black Wall Street, and this deals with politics and business at the same time. Now, at one time, Black Wall Street was considered a viable community in a certain southern area, I believe, or was it Midwest, where business black african-american businessmen conducted themselves and learned from white american business business that was already established they took those practices and developed their own selves in their own community that was a threat to the the superseding systems that were in control of them banks dollars lending they started to lend them themselves they started to enrich their own communities so there was a time I think, I think it was in the 1920s or 30s. I couldn't, I have to really look up that, that fact, but um, what they were saying, basically, let me just type this up, Black <laughs> Wall Street. Let's see what it says. Okay, so I, I Googled it real quick. 1921, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So from my own research, in, in Tulsa, there were Anglo-White America, you know, population that were pissed off. They had their own factories. They had their own lending, lending institutions. They were enriching themselves. And someone said, no, we need you to work our purpose. Leads to another controversy. Leads to the powers that be, what they also call and refer to as white privilege. So if I can keep someone under my thumb and working the way that I need and the way I want, then I don't have any problems, right? Wrong. You do have problems. In order to keep control, you have to constantly conquer and divide. To conquer, you're going to have to divide them in their value system, get them off balance. And that's exactly what we're talking about now. Now, it happens to be, like I said, a 2020 election. There are two individuals that are up for presidency that represent two party systems. But there are so much more, many other candidates still running for public office, such as the president, the office of the presidency, that are not recognized by the population. This population is skewed by attention and viewership. That means that's where the news comes in. The news reports that these two individuals allowed in a debate against the 50 plus individuals that are running for the same office, different representing different parties are segregated. This also shows an example of racism, uh, racism in not just culture, but fiscal responsibility of culture. So people that are independent, like here's a propaganda piece. I've heard it constantly from Republicans saying that they, the liberals are the reason why we're, this country is going down. Now, a 
true libertarian does not subject himself to a single party notion. He gives an objective view on what they truly support. Big deal. A very big deal. I am an independent with no a party affiliation. I choose what I want. You're not going to report on my analytics. You know, just because of what I view on the internet is not going to be able to dictate how you can get to me because I choose where my attention goes. So that's my responsibility, right? So with politics and business and talking about Black Wall Street, if a if a culture or population chooses and keyword chooses to not follow the status quo of another and they make their own, it is considered a fiscal response to the, the powers that be to subdue that enrichment. What it basically means is, is we don't want you to better yourself because if you better yourself, you can change the rules. And if I can change the rules, I can change about how police officers and how law enforcement and how everyone else can dictate the rules. These rules also determines commerce. So, and then it also determines health. So the CDC has been in some kind of obsolete power for some time. And people have constantly um, attacked, uh, what's his name? Fauci. He's supposed to be some kind of reliance of an expert. He's been educated on pathogens. And there's a controversy saying that he has a financial investment in COVID-19 um, and also has in also relation to the 5G uh, collaboration of communication would actually infects or allegedly affects people through a radio wave, a not just a radio wave, but a, what do you call it? A radioactive energy wave that can affect you all. That can make you sick, lower your immunity, so on and so forth. So I'm gonna take a brief little break and we're going to come right back after this recording because I'm recording live on anchor. So for my spoon listeners, you'll, you'll be hearing me uh, make some commentary while I arrange this recording. All right. Now briefly back from um, taking a break and arranging the recordings. Anyhow, so we're going to get right back into it. So the rule makers are dictated by the financial backers, because if it really were fair to be elected, that means that anyone could be, I'm spring cleaning. Oh, it's a good deal. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, anyone can be elected. Anyone should be able to be elected. If you have the notion to lead, you should. And there have been many instances where people have done that with very little money, but got contributions from the average person. What is it? AOC, she's she got elected in New York, you know, because she reached the people. She represented the Latin community, you know, and that was a major um, thing about their population. Okay, so getting back to the uh, the matter at hand. So the rule makers, the politicians, they are the ones that dictate how a police officer law enforcement operate. And it goes, it's a long, long subject. So um, e every culture in this country has enriched themselves and they've gone through systematically um, wiping them out like the powers that be um, from world war one to now, I mean, even in world war two, the 
most Asians were considered Japanese. They're committed, uh, considered at, uh, enemies of the state. They even locked these people up because they were supposedly, allegedly a threat. You know, a population influence who could change the ru- rules. And even then moved on to Vietnamese after the world, uh, Vietnam War. Then it moved to the Arabs because they had oil and we needed oil. So you heard, started hearing terrorism militants who do not like someone telling them what to do and how to operate their business foreign and abroad. Like to me, if you station any armed forces overseas on their grounds, guess what? You're operating by their rules. And when you tell them how to be democratic, that's a problem. So anyways, so every culture has been affected like this. But like when I was following the Black Wall Street story, it was amazing how what industries that that were developed in this one area and um, privileged white culture at a time wiped it out, started fires, started riots. So recently we've dealt specifically with riots. We have dealt with riots in almost all 50 states and countless cities. I believe 47 major cities in the United States plus major and other minor major uh, municipals. Uh, from towns to cities, you know, so on and so forth. And there, there's been some kind of uh, protest, and there has been looting. There has been a problem. And the black culture is really confused uh, by their own claims with why are white people rioting when they're not rioting? Uh, that was a very valuable question that I observed in the media. I, I literally listened to some of these people say, you know, what's up, right? You know, how do we really um, get down to the knit and gritty? And and I feel like that's that's a big, big deal. You know, how do we get down to what really matters to us all? And what really matters to us all is the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it doesn't say that you get to control other people. So, from George Floyd to COVID-19, people feel like they've been restricted and not able to live their life in pursuit of happiness. They cannot go work their jobs because of alleged of infection, but they still haven't clarified in the infection rate. They, and they give a lot of data resource, but it's not verifiable. There's not autopsies done on these bodies to truly test was, did they die of coronaviruses or natural causes? That's been another controversy. So going from the rule makers and breakers to who really establishes authority, who gains, companies like Amazon, Walmart, Target, and countless others have been allegedly able to conduct themselves in business. Business as usual. But if you really wanted to protect your population, you and you wanted social distancing, you would make your population majority of it, unless they're truly essential and what considered is essential personnel, a limited population that allows, you know, and Amazon's not one of those. They, they, they bought out what whole foods as a major grocery supply. I'm sorry. Whole foods is really outrageously priced, you know, allegedly clarified as legal. You know, but getting out to the nitty gritty, 
some level of commerce has to be enacted. Commerce is really important to us all. So if you can't go to work, then in many's viewpoint, we should be able to be supported by our government. So they issued out a stimulus, $1,200 if you made $75,000 or less. And anyone who made more than that, guess what? You're screwed. You didn't get any money. If you went unemployment, you also got another stimulus per week, $600. I think in the state of California, $600 attached to whatever you your, your unemployment award was to help you survive. Now, a lot of owners and properties were suffering. This affected the real estate industry, affects the movie entertainment industry, because these major movie stars and production companies are at a standstill. They can't film because they're not considered essential. So again, it goes back to the rule makers who conducts business. Now, in the last two weeks, I just saw an article on JCPenney's going bankrupt. These are commerce or clothing supply stores, JCPenney's, Sears, Macy's, and several others. They have been supplied by products, outsourced products from China. Now, back in January, Donald Trump made a trade agreement to not have to pay so much and you know for trade so they created this like you know tariffs trade tariffs how can you make anything how can your workforce compete a workforce that is paid 30 cents on the dollar you can't they have much bigger population much bigger factories and what do you have left in the united states you have hardly any so people are squandering and trying to get into some kind of thought Staff Sergeant Panda, how you doing? Welcome to the show. So what happens is, is it creates an offset. So your labor force that conducts like that they will be provided by healthcare, they will be provided um, with a, a system to take care of themselves um, in a fair, equitable manner. And this is why they also created minimum wage so that you can't be paid under this price. Now. If you, anyone understands about economics and price and commerce, if if your competitor in China is paying 30 cents on the dollar and you have to pay a minimum of $15 to a guy that works in the um, in say like California, who are you going to buy from? Who are you going to get your supply from? It's not going to be from the guy that makes $15 an hour because that would be considered ludicrous, right? Ludicrous, crazy. And what it does is it creates an offset. So I don't really not want to give Trump a, a really credit, but he basically says, I can't, our people can't make money if you fuckers keep giving us cheap products from major brands and ship it over here. Can't do it. Now, the United States, for example, used to make TVs. I think Zenith was the last American TV provider. Got bought all, sold. Now, most of your TVs come from South Korea. Samsung does that, you know, and China. So it created a workforce for someone else to be enriched for a different value system, a different dollar system. Now, how could you compete with that? Now, according to the Chinese government, they provide for their citizens in a communal way. That means every person has a right to an apartment, a living standard. They have rights to health care. People talk about socialism and communism being one and the same. 
It's not. If you really understood politics or politicisms, you will read what exactly what they are. And they are labeled independently different. So getting back to the moral, the moral is, is like, if you have to compete against a labor force and production force that pays not even a 10th of what you do, where are you going to get it from? And you're going to sell it and you're going to delude people from, oh, well, I got sales galore, you know, come by two for one, blah, 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 blah. Is it really? Because those things become disposable. Those things become trashed. People become trashed. And let's face it, the population in the United States is constantly growing in the millions every day. People don't have a sense of work. Now, a lot of the workforce has gone to intellectual. They have intellectual property. They operate from home, computers, but they don't make anything. That's a problem. So the the rule makers, the policy makers, the politicians, so to speak, um, they decide exactly how business is going to be conducted. And guess who decides their fate and their production? World banks. So how do you determine what's a dollar value? You don't. They do. The, the, the superseding powers, the world banks dictate to the smaller banks like Bank of America, uh, Chase, Cap One, whatever you want to call it. They dictate their rates. These rates are, are subjective and especially according to investment involvement. And that goes into the stock market. Now, when they say the stock market's going to crash, like everyone's supposed to panic and say, oh, fuck, I'm, I don't have a job anymore. The stock market always crashes, believe it or not. You just don't notice it. And most people don't understand it, how it works. So getting back to the whole point of all of this is like how you lend your power and how you feel threatened and over information overload. That's true. You can't deny that. How many times have you subscribed to AT&T? What does AT&T do? They produce communication. And what does communication do? Power. If I can tell another and give it someone power by information and advantage, then guess what? Who's really in charge? It's kind of like a, like a, a general on a, on a battlefield. These companies make money and they're a lot of times in connection with each other. They're leveraging against your system. They have you working major hours and major work. And people have had to lower themselves from working from Uber or working for Dollar Tree or working for DoorDash delivery service. And it's all temporary because what's coming is allegedly they still, the system in place, they're still trying to get where drones can deliver to you. And once that happens, guess what? The population is a threat then they can truly eliminate population and there will be riots and they're counting on you to be infused with rage and anger to battle against the establishment and then to give them reason to kill you, to control you, to contain you in prisons. And the top 1%, the top 3% thrive and survive. But the problem is, is what they've always faced. If you create a monopoly, eventually that monopoly divides within itself. Sonny Boo, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Good vibes of Jason B. Anyhow, so with the powers that be and people talking about the Illuminati, talking about the World Banks and all this other shit, the problem still remains. Once you gain a monopoly, you have to 
come in and stay in control. And because we we die, the human species, we die. We have a limitation. That thought has to be taught to another, a, a, a survivor, an heir. But not all of those, those heirs value the same way as their father, their grandfather, their ancestor. You know what I mean? I'm doing great, Sonny Boo. How are you? Anyhow, so getting to the point, if those heirs don't value the same, it's a condition that always changes. The narrative always changes. When the narrative changes for the betterment of somebody else, then somebody else gains a monopoly. Then creative thought is like, okay, well, we can't control it this way anymore. We can't do it this way. So someone creates a new way of doing something. And then it's like, all of a sudden, let me heavily invest in that. Think about it. When Facebook first came out, it was, it was right, right after people were still involved with MySpace and Facebook wiped out MySpace by taking out creative over creative natures by make it simplified and, and created an algorithm where anyone could join. And it was basic. People didn't have to think about making an over glitterized up, you know, profile or pictures. But there's one problem, one huge problem. Now those analytics can be sold to investors, investors, people that make goods will purposely plant a tracking on you of what you're interested in. So I can determine what your value system is and how you choose to spend your dollar and how you choose to lend your attention. This attention is fueled into marketing, marketing investors, marketing gurus, so to speak. And they preach, they preach humanity and empathy. Like it's like, it's their Bible. It's no joke. They preach, well, giving is caring, sharing is caring. Da, 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 da. You know what? If you really were considered about as, as what you need, you would be sharing a lot more. So they take these stoic value systems and manipulate them and twist them and turn them in such a way where you don't know what the fuck is really going on. I've even had friends, um, I think it was, Last week, you know, a friend of mine told me um, on the show that basically we don't all learn the same. Of course not. But you got to go and seek it yourself is what I, I propounded. I told people you got to go and learn yourself and, and you have to seek it, even though you may not be aware of it. It's like that. It's a philosophy that I constantly preach. The student seeks the teacher. If you have a want and desire, you go out and you find it. No one's going to hand it to you. And this is why. Um, why, why I think that fairness is very subjective. It's obsolete. When you think of fairness, it may not agree with you and may agree with another. You, you, you would have to get people to basically be robots. That would be fairness. And is that what they really want to do? If I can control the population and perform and make things, but here's the competitor. Now we've talked about AI. AI is an instrument of a computer. Now, AI has statistically been tested that showing that the human species is a threat unto itself and needs to be eliminated. They can't control it. They haven't figured it out, but they are close. So if they can eliminate a lot of the population, they can eliminate the environmental control and what they've done to their, they take no responsibility for this. None whatsoever. 
and we constantly blame. And so here's the next most important aspect of life. If you blame, you give your power away. If you point a finger, you point a gun, you point a trigger, and there's one point right back at you. There's three. When you hold a pistol, your hand, your thumb is rested forward. Your trigger finger is pointed in a U-shape and pointing back at you. The projectile in the firearm is pointed at you, but then there are three supporting fingers to hold the grip of the gun to taking res- to show you the three indicative responsibilities of a human being that you have made a choice to pull that trigger in support of firing the projectile at another person. So it goes to uh, Jack Canfield's uh, formula, event plus response equals outcome. Accountability is preached, but it's not predicated on. And those that are in power know that. They know that the responsibility to human, the mankind, whether there's being infiltrated by aliens or not, is really an enemy unto itself. Because if you had to take accountability for every action that you've conducted yourself in, it would be scary. So then we invent the theory of religion, theologies, a martyr system. And that's kind of scary in itself. I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus Christ existed. But in which the way that he died, yes, it made an impact on me. The Bible is constantly filled through moralistic lessons, but moralistic controversies too. You have an Old Testament and a New Testament that argues within itself. So in a way, the Old Testament was basically saying, these are the rules. The New Testament says, huh, you got it all fucking wrong. You're too worried about the system. You're not performing as good human beings. And that was the necessity for Christ and his you know, uh, disciples. These guys were handpicked for their statures and which they performed. They were argumentative with each other. You know? So, in that theology, they preached a narrative saying that what this happened in this little part of the world has to be transversed to the whole world. But guess what? There's plenty of theologies all throughout the world that have preached the same kind of narrative through different characters. Call it God as you may, whatever you might But again, it's people attached to the rule system. And the rule system benefits somebody, not everybody. So what you may value, like I said, fairness is subjective. Your moral code code is not the same as everybody's. There are certain natural laws that are truly fair. One, you live. And two, you die. So you're born and you die. That's fair. You know one lives forever how things are conducted in life is really determined on you. And that's why they talk in religion or especially in Christianity, that free will, but they don't want to, they, they, they absolve responsibility. They judge each other and they, they judge others and they permit violence to one another. The moral code again comes in question. The rule makers come in question and the people that determine bank values, monetary values comes in question. So at the end of the day, what are we really fighting for? 
Is it really Black Lives Matter? Are we really understanding that there's a big problem and that more people are becoming aware? People are not going to take for that shit. And every major empire from Rome to France to Genghis Khan have all had this one problem. They couldn't keep power because they know that the catalyst that went after that power died. Even the Moors, they all fell. Every great power in this world has fallen. Why? Because the narrative was never right. The narrative never truly spoke to people. And that's something we need to consider. The thing about being a good human being is giving without feeling, without feeling like it's obligated to. If someone says, does something nice for me, the narrative is preached like I don't have to do something nice for you. I don't have to perform communally. I don't have to be responsive or responsible for charity. No, I need to be responsible taking care of myself and how I perform with community. There's a connection. There's this movie called Avatar directed by James Cameron. And he really shows that movie that the connection between the, the alien species, the human species and that planet was like a big responsibility. The alien species taught humankind like, Hey, you can't fuck up things just because you want some precious metal Our connecting with our planet. The energies all around really need each other. That's why they have protective organizations that protect animals from being decimated like whales. Lions that are being decimated, gorillas, they're all a part of the ecosystem. The ecosystem is life. So it's a very, very introspective thing, in my opinion. And if you don't understand how it works, then you need to take your own personal responsibility and start understanding. You start looking for information and be careful where you look for it because on the internet, it can be changed at any moment. It's electronic. This is why I read books. Now, it doesn't mean that all necessary books are verifiable, but they have a good track record. The internet, you can wipe something out and hide it somewhere else. That's a fact. Well, that's all the time I have for Good Vibes at Jason B. This has been like an hour and probably 25 minutes of a recording, maybe more. But I wanted to come on just to kind of speak in this aspect. If you want to listen to the full episode, you can find me on anchor.fm. And there are distributions. So the best way to find me, um, Instagram. Instagram is a great resource. And I'll tell you how to find me on, on Instagram. So you go to, let me pull it up here. Good underscore vibes underscore with underscore Jason underscore B. You can find me on Instagram. And then there's links to listen to me on Spotify. Now, if you don't have Spotify, that's okay. You can also find me on anchor.fm. Now the distribution for anchor.fm, I'll just read it to you. What's your, what's your MySpace, Jason? I don't have MySpace anymore. I, I got locked out. So let me go to my distribution um, assets. Let's see. No, that's not going to work. Distribution. Okay, you can find me at https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash vibing 
um, hyphen Jason B hyphen 209. Yeah, MySpace is still a thing. It's now a music platform. You can also find me on Apple. And on this recording, I will leave my Apple podcast link. And you can do with what you like. Listen to it. I have a lot of recordings, a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, MySpace is now, if you look it up, it's a music platform. It's not like the social media that we used to know. I know I tried to re-log in and I couldn't log in. My profile didn't exist anymore. So that's a trip. Anyway, thank you all here on Anchor who are listening to me. To me. And if you have any questions, feel free to write me at goodvibesjasonb at gmail.com. You can call in. I do have a phone number that I'll be publishing um, and a Gmail if you'd like to leave a message. If you'd like to write me an email, that'd be greatly appreciated. And that's the thing. So you all have a great day and thanks for listening.